new CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. The following is a GoPowerCat.com production. All right, people. This is the Insiders, the K-State Insiders. Fitz is off today, so you got your man Big B hosting. Oh, man. Basketball, troubling. Baseball, good. Women's basketball, good. We'll get into it. This is the K-State Insiders. Welcome to the K-State Insiders, your Kansas State sports show, presented by Synergy Financial Partners. Now let's go to the rolling Flint Hills, home of the Cats and Dogs studio. Here's your host, Tim Fitzgerald. All right, I am not Tim Fitzgerald. I am Brian Hanley, along with Glenn Kinley and Ryan Gilbert. This is the K-State Insiders. Thank you, guys. Fitz is off today. Uh, had something that came up, so... We're going to hold down the fort, fellas. So what is going on with you guys? We got a lot of hair on this now that Fitz isn't here. <laughs> that's, the, like that's the best ratio we've had. <laughs> I like I it. Ju- I, like I just got out of the car. I was driving back from Indiana, some coverage out there, and, and then driving back to Kansas in a couple of days. So I'm home in Illinois right now with a stop halfway between – well, not halfway, but in between Indiana and Kansas. I got you. Indiana. How do you like Indiana? Glenn? It's not, so my sister's lived out there for several years. She went to Ball State. And so ah, I okay. went out there and uh, did some coverage of a, a KU commit and then also went to NBA All-Star Weekend and talked with Marquise and Keontae. And my gotcha. trip there was positive. I liked, I liked it better than I liked Vegas for the Super Bowl. I'll tell you that much. I got you. Wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. It's my roots. My roots. <laughs> I love Indiana. So glad you had a good time. And, and um, they take their basketball very seriously. There, oh, super serious. From they, middle they school, had, uh, elementary school on up. Mm-hmm. They take it very, very serious. They so, had a media meal and credentials and media seating and everything for a high school game I went to. And yeah, was, really? Just, and yeah, Glenn Kinley got his name up on the Jumbotron. This is true. They were very welcoming, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Did yeah, you like, sell your apartment in Topeka? Like, you haven't been home at all, Glenn. I know. I should have asked if I could get a month off rent. I don't know if, <laughs> right. I don't know how that would have gone over, but I should have inquired. <laughs> oh, man. Well, guys, let's get into this. K-State drops one after having a week off. They drop one at home. Um, I don't know if they actually looked terrible. Uh, I know a lot of people said that they looked terrible. I didn't think they looked terrible. They didn't look great. Um, they had there was too many spurts that they just allowed Texas or not to TCU to get back into the ball game when I think they had an opportunity to kind of put their foot down and expand the lead. All of a sudden, you get a ten nothing run and a, a twenty to three run. I mean, it just it, it was silly on what happened. And then of course. When you have these these unforced turnovers, you give an opposing team an opportunity at the end of the game to throw in a lucky shot. And look, yeah, he made it, but he was off balance. He kind of threw it up, and the ball went in. It wasn't a a, a, a pristine, a, a, no. an outstanding shot. It, it, it wasn't, wasn't a good that. look. No, it wasn't a good look. He was looking. It was almost like his teammate running by may have clipped him on the back, and he threw his <laughs> legs out and and threw it in. But I'll say this all the time. When you allow teams to stick around and hang around, and those things can happen. And 
unfortunately, I don't know if this is the nail in the coffin, uh, Ryan, but it sure does feel like it, man. Yeah, I mean, essentially every game here, you can maybe drop one, but you're in must-win territory for almost almost all the games. And I know that myself and Drum Tang probably agree to disagree on the whole nine wins being the, the, the mark, the benchmark to get into the NCAA tournament. But if they want to get even a couple more wins, the turnovers have to drop. And, you know, Big B, we're, we were talking right before we started, like the very first possession, K-State had a full week off between games. What do they do? A lousy pass. I mean, Data Ames just sails one over Tyler Perry's head. And that was kind of – I mean, K-State had 14 turnovers in the game. I believe they had 14 at like the five-minute mark in the – five minutes left in the game, right? So they yep. – down the stretch, they were – actually valuing the basketball but you don't even have to be in that situation at the end where TCU you know does chuck up a prayer and it goes in if you have 10 11 turnovers man um you're not in that spot you're going to be up by a couple possessions and you don't have to worry about that like I did a little GPC film study for our VIP subscribers at Go Power Cat and it was easy man it was low-hanging fruit every possession just talk about the turnovers and how careless you know the poor vision whatever it may be on the passes right it's, it was easy. Like, there were just so many bad plays, self-inflicted wounds, yeah. poor fundamentals, you name it. I mean, this team just – it's insane how how much they turn it over. But they, they've, they've shown that they can win games with this number. So, I mean, it's not the end of the world to have 14 turnovers. But if you have 10 or 11, probably win that game. Yeah. Brian, I'm curious, as you dig into that film, w- with the turnovers, is it – is it that they're not just they're just not getting any good looks, or it or are they being too picky? Is this like a hey, you're gonna have to shoot a few bad shots, but a bad shot is better than a turnover. A bat a, an ugly shot that has a twenty percent chance of going in is better than a pass that has a five percent chance of getting to your next guy, and then he might not even get a good look. Is that the problem? Yeah, I mean, if you get a shot up right, you have a chance to score points. Yeah. I think it, at some point it's like twenty some percent of. K-State's possessions are turnovers. So that means that 20, like one out of every five, one out of four, I forget the number of those possessions, you don't even get a shot up, right? Like it's just not a winning formula. Um, I know that I've outlined the passing vision, I think is poor for K-State, not just with the decisions to make passes, but maybe the fundamentals in the passes. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, there's a lot of things, Glenn. Um, you know, there were different, you know, self-inflicted wounds. Like I mentioned, there's different causes for these turnovers. Um, but when you don't have a true natural point guard that's playing consistent mm-hmm. minutes, right? Um, right. Now, I think Day-Day Ames is a pretty natural point guard. I know RJ Jones can do that as well. Um, like, they've got guys that can run the point, but at, at this point in time, they're just maybe not where the, they want to be. Um, they're not getting the minutes as a, as, a, as a Marquise Noel would get. So, Glenn, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm sure you've got some great things to, to say about Marquise with your time up there with him. But, I mean, I was critical of Marquise Noel, certainly in his first season under Bruce Weber. And even last year, K-State turned the ball over a lot, and that would include mm-hmm. Noel. Um, but there was one play from – I remember breaking down. It was uh, – I think it was Cam Carter to Will McNair. He was trying to – you know, they were going up in transition, and, like, it just went off Will McNair's hands. And But there, it was a turnover like that where I actually broke it down. I was like, I can live with this one because K-State – was out there trying to make a play, and they were in transition, and it just didn't work out. Like those were the Marquise Noel level turnovers that I think you yeah. can live with, right? Uh, the the self inflicted, the the lousy, sloppy, silly plays. Those are the ones that really have to be eliminated. But you know, if K State had a true point guard that was playing consistent minutes like Marquise Noel had last year, um, I you know I think you you might have 12, 13, maybe fourteen turnovers a game. But 
think the offense runs smoother, um, and, and they're probably going to win some more of those games. Yeah, and it felt like Marquise, a lot of his turnovers were kind of boomer boss plays where yep. if this works out, it's an instant two or three points for sure. If it doesn't work out, it's a turnover. Some of the turnovers this year aren't even the risk-reward. There is no reward. It's a, it's a pass near half court that that's three feet away and they turn it over and (laughs) those ones are the frustrating ones because at least marquise if he had a few turnovers if he had three turnovers the fourth one was an electric alley-oop where keontae johnson put three guys on a poster at once or something like that sometimes these guys it's like that there isn't the uh the magic that comes with the turnovers no no, and, and that's part of the problem is I know we beat a dead horse and talk about we don't have a, a a legitimate or let's just say a top-notch point guard or a natural point guard except Day-Day Ames. But l- let's just be honest, Day-Day Ames had no business being in that game on Saturday. He didn't look like he wanted to play. He wasn't physical enough to be in that game because when TCU brought pressure, I mean, it, it just we didn't know what to do. He didn't know what to do. They just we got out physical. We just weren't a physical team. And that happens when you're not a strong, you know, you don't have somebody that's strong with the ball. You know, it's just when teams come after you and they get physical with you, you'll just turn it over. I mean, we had guys dribbling, the no pressure, dribbling the ball off their foot. I mean, it just at, at some point we just have to just I, I don't know what it is, guys. It's just I think they have to just make a concerted effort. I mean, we talk about, oh, we'll do the fundamentals. It's the middle of February, man. Fundamentals, we can't just say, okay, we're going to work on fundamentals today and it's going to get better. That that had to happen in September. I go, not in February. I go, so the answer to that question is, I, I think we just got to run. I know we've talked about it before. I think the more shots that you can get up, the better the off that we are going to be. Some are going to be bad shots. You're going to turn it over, but we're already turning it over. So if you can get an extra eight to ten shots up a game just by running up and down the court, that might be the answer, but then again, maybe we'd have 25 turnovers in a game. I don't know. It just yeah. it, it just didn't go well on yeah. Saturday. I thought that was a game that they had to win if they were going to make the tournament, and we allowed them to stay close with, with silly turnovers in spots that we didn't have to, or just not sound play. I, mm-hmm. I guess that's a better question. Just not sound play, and we let one get away from us. I So I've always – you guys probably have seen my tweets or whatever – Tyler Perry holding the ball for 15, 20 seconds, lighting the shot clock and chucking up a prayer. For yeah. as much as I complain about that, you know what? At least they're getting a shot off. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's true. maybe this low percentage, right? But yeah. it's better than a turnover. So maybe I should mm-hmm. stop complaining about that. Well, yeah, and I think um, what the coaching staff tried to do for a little while, it felt like, was not, not ignore the turnover issue, but like Tang was pretty open about it. He's like, I think we asked, say, what, what needs to happen? He's like, I don't know. And so yeah. I think what they tried to do for a while, I think he talked about offensive rebounding and um, get, not fouling a couple of those things and said, okay, let's need, instead of uh, removing our turnover problem, let's negate the turnover problem by doing other things. Right. And I think yeah. they tried that for a while and I liked it. I, cause at some point it's like, how long can you tell the guys do not turn it over, do not turn it over, do not turn it over. It's like, at some point you, you say it and then, and then they're playing out there and they're bringing the ball up the court going, I can't turn it over. Yep. And that doesn't work out well. So I actually liked that idea, but I don't know. I don't know if it worked. I, I liked it. Coaching staff liked it. Cool. Everybody's happy. But if it don't work, you got to try something else. So I'm interested to see, do they try that? I don't know. At some point, do you tell your team, Hey, the first half decent look you get, you need to shoot it. That, I'm not talking about a wide open look. I'm not talking about a great look. 
the first time that you have a couple inches from a defender, the first shot that you can get where you think you can get it to the hoop, it's not going to get swatted, throw it up there. I, I don't I don't know if that's the solution. I'm not I'm not a, a coach for a reason, but uh, it might be better than to give it to the other team. Yeah, well, if you're like Jerome Tang loves to let his guards play with freedom, that was probably yeah. more, um, I guess, like outspoken or like evident last season with Marquise Noel, but he loves to let his guys play with freedom. And so mm-hmm. if you're constantly harping on them saying, hey, stop, turn it over, you know, like yeah. K-State does need to stop turning it over. But if you're constantly message, like giving them that message, then you're not really letting them play with freedom. So right. it's, I mean, it, there's no like real good answer here, but you can't be contrarian with your philosophy of letting your guys just go out and play and then mm-hmm. telling them, hey, turnovers are why we're losing the game, right? So it's a good point that you bring up, Glenn. I mean, I, I agree with that to an extent. The thing about it is sometimes you got to change from year to year. I mean, if you sure. have the, the the roster to be able to allow your, your guys to play free like that, yeah. then, yeah, you allow them to do that because you're going to be holding them back from mm-hmm. from excelling at what they do best. But when your roster doesn't allow for that, then you do have to rein them in somewhat and say, mm-hmm. look, we need you to do this, 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 and this, because if you don't do that, we're getting what we're getting is just a ton of turnovers, not getting a lot of possessions, and that festers. You know, we've seen Cam Kelly. I mean, he can't play. or not Cam Kelly, Cam Carter. I mean, he just didn't look like he was very good on Saturday. He didn't look like a Division One player on Saturday, just not being tough with the ball when we all know that he's very, very good. He's extremely good, but he didn't look like he was really – not that he wasn't invested – he just didn't look comfortable out there. I guess that's yeah. the better word. Didn't look comfortable. And then that's we could say that about a lot of guys this year at K-State. They, they don't look comfortable with their ball in the hands having to make the decision. They want somebody to make the decision for them and set them up to be able to score, shoot, or yeah. create whatever the case may be. Yeah. But the bottom line is the comfort level, Glenn, is just not there with this team right now. And we talked about it before, but they have more depth this year, but they don't have a a, a go-to, we need a bucket, give him the basketball guy. And, Correct. And that, you talked about those runs when we started the show, that 10-0 run, it'll be a 6-0 run, and it'll be a 11-2 run. That's where those happen because sometimes it's not even as much about needing the two points as it is just stopping the bleeding yeah. and not letting the other team have all the momentum. And and the, and that's where it's difficult is when you when you say, okay, it's an 8-0 run. We need a bucket. We can't go Correct. into the under we can't go into the under 16 in the second half and have them on an 11-0 run. We need a bucket. And it almost feels like when they get to that spot, that you know. There's all the guys saying, "Yeah, we do need a bucket. Who's gonna go? Get, who's gonna get it? You know." Mm-hmm. And you need somebody. It's easier said than done, right? I mean, the Big Twelve is good. The Big Twelve is yeah. really good. There's some really, really good defenders in the Big Twelve. So I think there are guys who have probably said, "I'm gonna do it. Hey, we need a bucket. Give me the ball. I'm going to do it." And they might end up turning it over, or dribbling off their knee, or making a bad pass, or or putting up a really lousy shot. And I think, yeah, that's that's where that comfort level begins to drop, like you're talking about, Brian, because. It hasn't always worked. And not that it's ever going to always work, but you, you need a guy who who takes matters into his own hands and gets that bucket a few times. We've seen Arthur do it a few times. We've seen Cam do it a few times. We've seen Tyler do it late in the game. But there's it's a blessing and a curse to where, what you know, if, if you have a last-second shot or something, the other team could say, they might give it to any of these three guys, but then also your bench is saying, uh, which one of these three? You almost would rather have it be like, the other team knows we're giving it to them, but we still don't think they can stop it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I see that. It's just, 
comfort level is just and maybe their confidence too guys i know we haven't talked a whole lot about confidence yeah. maybe their confidence right now is is kind of shot but the one thing that i know for a fact they got to get it back quickly because tonight at texas it's yeah. not going to be easy i mean we've talked about texas we've made fun of texas but the one thing that texas has is talent mm-hmm. you know so they definitely have talent and texas again is fighting to try to get into the NCAA tournament because they're a team that I've said on numerous occasions that if they get in, they could actually end up in the Sweet 16 just because of the talent that they have. Mm. Now, do they get in? I don't know. That's a different conversation, but they definitely have the talent, and K-State's going to have to match that because I think they're going to come out on fire. We need to just match that tonight and and come out and and maybe hit them in the mouth first on the road, kind of try to change some of the momentum that's been going on the last few games and come out, swing it and just see what happens, man. Just take it right at them, put them on their heels and then see what happens from there. And again, maybe you have some turnovers. Okay. That's fine. But at least they're aggressive turnovers. You know, it's the passive turnovers, the, 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 the on ball or the, the, I shouldn't say the on ball, but just the, the lackadaisical turnovers are the ones yeah. that drive us all insane. It's not the ones, hey, a guy's going to the hoop and he loses yeah. it or something like that. You can live with that. You can't mm-hmm. live with throwing it over a guy's head the first possession of the game out of bounds. We can't live with those kind of turnovers. Yeah, and it's a good atmosphere in Austin, too. I was there last year in the Moody Center when KU played down there and, and Texas beat them. And it's not the biggest arena in the in the world, but but it's everybody there is pretty invested. And I think they know that their team needs – they're not in a spot to be dropping many games. No. So it'll be a good atmosphere. I'm with you, Brian. A, uh, a hot start is what K-State needs in this one. Get yeah. up six, get up six zero or eight to two or something like that. Yep. And just get a little swagger and get the crowd quiet just the slightest bit and take some momentum. So that because we it feels like we've seen them even in games they've won. I, I look at maybe the Oklahoma State game at home and the Baylor game at home, TCU this past Saturday. They've just played from behind and been like fighting and clawing to stay in the game. Yes. And it would be nice for it would be nice for them to have a game where it feels like the other team is the one trying to stay in the game and K-State's actually fighting and clawing to pull away rather than fighting and clawing to keep it within seven. Correct. Yes. That seemed like that was the case all game long. Even when mm-hmm. K-State got those leads, TCU immediately came back and put more pressure and took the lead away from us. Yeah. So that's what it seemed like all game long on Saturday. Glenn, I think you're 100% correct. I think the, the guys just have to go out there and just say, you know what, we're going to be ultra aggressive. I, I just yeah. think ultra aggressive is the key to this game, especially early to, to just what you said, to take the crowd out of mm-hmm. it a little bit, but also give ourselves a little confidence, Ryan, that, yeah. you know yeah. what, we're going to be played tough. Yeah, we've lost a couple of games here and, and, you know, it hasn't been a great February, but we can turn this thing around right this second. Mm-hmm. Yep. But the problem, you got to, if you get that, K-State was up by eight in the second yep. half, right? And then minutes later, they're down by 10. So uh, you guys mentioned it, but if you want to go out and do what we're talking about here, great. Go out and set the tone and quiet that crowd. Absolutely, man. Go out and build a, an early lead. But if you don't uh, keep your foot on the gas, it's not going to mean anything. So, uh, mm-hmm. Big B, I know you're hosting here, but Canelio uh, in the chat here, pulling us up. Yep. I got that. Y'all see that? Good, good. Yeah. Um, does case they have the guys to hit him in the mouth? I mean, if this was if Marquise Noel and Keontae Johnson were on this roster, I would say yes, absolutely. Um, I think TP and Cam, like Arthur, they're all capable. Those goes those leaders are capable, but yeah. 
as of late, man, I genuinely don't know if we if if K State has that. I'd like to hear you guys' thoughts. Well, I think I, I think we saw it a little bit in the Kansas game, right? Mm-hmm. Like you saw the guys can make plays, and Cam. I think Cam had a big three, and then was it Jarrell? Maybe had a block on the first possession, and that's the kind of start that we're talking about that they need. I, I think they have the guys to do it, and I what I'm interested to see is actually if these guys can kind of play freely because they have nothing to lose. I think that that. Yeah. Even at the Kansas game, yeah, that's a rivalry game, and you really want that one. But I think they knew, like, all right, this is the I don't what were they number two or number three in the country at that time? Four. Okay, no, no one wants us. I don't say wants. No one expects us to win this game. So we lose this game. It's okay. Well, it's number four team in the country, and they're they're playing really well. They got you know I think they have three players on on uh, watch list for player of the year at their positions uh, with McCullough and Dickinson and Harris. So you, you lose that game. It's like okay, well. You know what? Whatever. On to the next. And I wonder if K State can play well in that setting. Where right now it's almost like it, I think most people have written them off for for the NIT, and, and probably rightfully so at the at right. the very moment. So can they play well in a setting where where that's and that's where we've seen Tyler Perry play well in the second half. All right, we're down by eight. Yep. I'm gonna throw this one up, and if I miss it, we lose by eleven instead, maybe. But if I make it, we <clears> might <throat> come back and win this thing. And so. Nope. I'm interested to see if that if that can help. I, I think the answer to the question would be a long-winded answer, but would be yes. I think they have the guys. I just don't think we've always seen it, I guess, which I guess I'm stating the obvious. Yeah, but <laughs> I think you're right, though, Glenn. And to even elaborate on your point even more, I think the team's got to start relying on Tyler Perry. I think that you have to, okay, we talked about not having a guy that can go get a bucket. Well, he's shown that he can do it in the second yeah, half. Yeah. I think that the team just has to say, okay, this is the guy that we've got to lean on to go do it for us. Okay, start defining that as a role and go from there. Yeah, he's going to have some turnovers. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. going to have some plays that we all shake our head at. But mm-hmm. you know what? When it's time to go get a bucket, he's been the guy to be able to do it because – as much as we say that he isn't a true point guard, he can create. He can make difficult shots. He can get into the lane and do those things. That's what we need. And I think we just need to lean on him being that guy. And if he's that guy, let everybody else just play off of him. I go, because what we've done, let's just be honest about it. What we've done throughout the season, it hasn't worked. It just hasn't worked. It hasn't yeah. worked enough. We should say it's worked from spotty, you know, here or there. But yeah. now that we're in the, the nitty gritty of this, it isn't working. So at some point you just have to say, you know what? This has to be the guy. Let him be the guy and let everybody else play off of that. And if if it works, great. If it doesn't, well, it's not any worse than what's been going yeah. on right yeah. now. That's my whole point. It's just not worse yeah. than what we've seen over the last, I don't know, three, four weeks. So that's just my thing. Oh, go ahead. Well, if if you want TP to be the guy, you've got to get him open looks. You know, Mm -hmm. K-State, the the dagger against KU, it was – I broke this one down in the film study. It was an elevator screen. He came through two screens, and he was open near the K-State bench. Mm -hmm. Schematics, the play call, got Tyler Perry an open look. I mentioned Mm -hmm. this earlier. Tyler Perry holding the ball for 15 seconds and trying to go out and make a play, he can do that. Yeah, like – He's good at using his body near the rim and all that. He can, he can make his play, but you want him to be that dude. you got to scheme up ways for him to yeah. be that dude. Absolutely. And, and I just think we have to start doing that. We yeah. just have to start doing that because, look, at some point you have to have a guy. Every good team has a guy. 
It mm-hmm. isn't. I mean, you don't see national championship or t- deep tournament teams. You don't see, let's just call it good teams. It's not a, a everybody is collected and then everybody yeah. is equal. That's not how this works. It, ne- it never works that way. Every team has a guy. And yeah. for A-State to win and do what they want to do, look, it could have been anybody. You know, it could have been Cam Carter. It could have been Kaluma. It could have been anybody. But at this point in the season, from what we've seen, I think it just has to be Tyler Perry, and he's got to be the guy to do it. And the coaching staff staff has to help him. I think the big guys have to help him. Ryan, you're right. You got to set screens. You got to get them open. We got to scheme some things up. But the other guys have to play, too. And I think that's a lot of times guys get caught watching. I go, but the other guys have to play, too. So. And can we set some good screens, guys? I think oh. I've talked about this on the show before. This isn't about K State. I just I watch a lot of basketball from, yes. from NBA to to high school and everything in between. I see so many bad screens. The guys, it's not. I wouldn't even call it a screen. They just they just run over there and cover their nuts and like okay, I screened the guy. It's like no, you you didn't even get in his way. He wasn't even <laughs> running and you weren't even in the right direction. So nope. that would help. Okay, there's my screen rant. But I think we saw this in football a little bit too. Not bad screens, but this year they had probably more depth, but they didn't have a Felix on DK Uzama. They didn't have Deuce Vaughn. Like, Correct. There's something, there's something to be said. I don't know. There's something to be said about having the guys on your team that the other team has to spend so much time and energy trying to shut down. I, yep. I just went out and watched this KU commit play in Indiana, senior in high school. He's their second leading scorer on their team. Not because he's not the best player on the team, but because he gets triple teamed every single possession. He's 6'9 and leads their team in assists because every time he touches the ball, if you have two guys or less on him, he's going to dunk on both of them. And and Casey doesn't have anybody like that where, where they're almost as impactful with the attention they draw than with the actual numbers they put up. That's what they need is somebody right. who, who, who can take over enough that – yeah, he's, yeah he don't, if he gets to that right side, you better help out. And when you help out, we're going to pitch it out for a three, something like that. And and I think that it, it can work. I don't know. If, if I'm looking glass half full, I think they've been competitive the last couple of weeks with some really, really good basketball teams. And I know that's not what people probably want to hear because it doesn't matter if you if you win or if you don't win, I mean. But they have been competitive with some really good basketball teams. And I think, man, even if they win one of the last – three or four that haven't gone their way. It's a little bit of a different picture. And so you never know. You just never know if they started conference play four and one, and if they can, you know, finish with that same stretch, um, maybe things look different, but, but you got to win some of those close games and being on the road, isn't the place you want to try to do it in the big 12. Yeah, no, it's definitely not. But I mean, I mean, if here's the thing, and I've said this, I know we came into this tough stretch of games, but I, I said it then and I'll say it now. If K-State wants to be a, a tournament team and what I mean, tournament team, an NCAA tournament team, if they want to do that. You got to go win these games. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just simple fact of the matter. You got to go win these games on the road. You know, you can't, yeah. I mean, especially since we've given up a couple of games at home, you just have to go win these games on the road. That's what the teams, that's what, what tournament teams do. They yeah. go find a way to go get themselves into the tournament. Maybe it's bleak. Maybe the outlook looks bleak, but you know what? We want to be in the tournament and they go and find a way tonight. I think is that opportunity. I, I've said it. Texas has a ton of talent. I don't know how well coached they are. Uh, and I'll take a shot at anybody who wants to. That's fine. I don't think they're a well-coached team, but they do have a ton of talent. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think K-State, number one, the coaching aspect, K-State has a much better coach. And if they can just hang around and get it close down towards mm-hmm. the end and not get blown out early, which tends to happen. You lose a tough game at home. You go on the road two days later. And when yeah. you see a team get beat by 25 points, you know, and the game's not competitive after the eight-minute mark in the first half. Yeah. So hopefully K-State can keep this thing close. I think the guys have a enough, Ryan, enough – mental toughness to to not give in I, I believe that I really do I'm not just saying that to be a K-State homer I've seen enough of it I think the guys have enough mental toughness to say you know what we're not going out like this yeah we yeah. got some more fight in us I'll go yes we let one get away and they should have beat TCU let's just be honest they should have beat the should have beat TCU but I think they got enough just mental toughness to go on the road here and say we're not laying down if you're going to beat us, Texas, you're going to have to take our best shot. Yeah. So. Strom Tanks mentioned how they, I mean, they treat every game like it's its own season, right? But guys, you've lost, well, it's six of the last seven. So that's, you got to have mental toughness. And I yeah. do agree that I think they've got dudes capable, you know, of not only just going out and making plays, but, you yeah. know, of, of bouncing back and responding. But I know, like I said, they, they treat it like it's its own season every game, you know, after they'll put it in the box and all that. But, the whole locker room and you guys could tell um, Glenn, you weren't there, but in post game press conference, like TP, that was the most yeah. down and somber he had been all season. They knew that they needed one. They knew yeah. they're in a funk. They knew that that was a game that they should have won. Like you mentioned, big B, they should have won it. Um, yeah. They didn't, they knew that one was one that got away. And so, you know, they, they know that this is a game yeah. tonight that they've got to have mental toughness for to come back and, and, come out and win because they've lost six or seven. And I know that Tang will not admit that that's a huge problem, but guys, I mean, human, you know, you know human beings are going to look and, and say, wow, yeah. you know, we lost six or seven. Got to snap out of this. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Hey, on the bright side, I think, uh, didn't they score like 112 points in, in this building? Was that, like, <clears throat> was that in Austin last year that they just yeah. like, 116, I think. Maybe maybe we'll get something like that. The offensive outburst that we didn't know this team had. Hey, but yeah. I don't know what you happened know. in that game. <laughs> but uh, maybe maybe they like shooting in that building or something like that. But I yeah, yeah I'll say this: uh, they don't they don't have many, if any, games left to give as far as that you can drop. And uh, one thing I know, without being a basketball expert, is that it's never good to bank on getting a win in Allen Fieldhouse. So uh, no. that makes it really? even more crucial. <laughs> When you look ahead to the schedule and say, oh, wait, we got to go to Lawrence, that makes tonight even more crucial because you can't say, okay, if we lose tonight, we'll just win out because uh, yeah. I wouldn't wouldn't bet on it. Absolutely not. Well, we're going to take a quick break. We'll come back on the other side and switch a couple topics up here, talk a little women's basketball, baseball, and then the Big 12 football media days moving to Las Vegas. So we'll come back with that. Looks like Ryan is happy about that. Looks like I'll be happy about that. <laughs> Glenn will give us the lowdown, Ryan, since uh, he was just out right? there. He'll tell us everything we need to know. So we'll be right back after this quick break from our partners, Synergy Financial Partners. At Synergy Financial Partners, the mission is to change the way Americans plan for their financial future. Synergy doesn't just offer you a financial plan. At Synergy, the goal is to help you find your best financial future. Learn more at SynergyFinancial.com. 
Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Welcome back to the show. Let's head back to the studio. All right. Again, welcome back to the K-State Insiders. Fitz is off today, so we are picking up the slack for him. He'll be back next week. Um, But, guys, let's kind of switch gears a little bit here. So, (laughs) You have a burner. Brian's got a burner. (laughs) That's his his wife in the comment section. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get back to to, – to uh, talking about K-State and maybe some women's basketball. Uh, They got a good win the other night. I mean, it was a nail-biter. I said, but you know what? When you're playing without your best player, a win is a win, you know, and and that's kind of the way that I look at it. I don't care who you're playing. When your best player doesn't suit up and you're able to go out and get another victory. Look, I I mean, K-State, I don't think they really struggled the last couple of games, Glenn. I just think, you know, when you're without your best player, and even when she came back, you know, it was just trying to get the feeling back, you know, been out for three weeks. It's tough. It's just tough. So I don't think they actually struggled without her. I think they actually played well Mm -hmm. without her. And then just trying to get her back in the groove, and then she's out again. So I I just think they're kind of going through a little bit of it right now. Well, the game plan has to be completely different when you're with and without her. And it's it's hard to just, like, to mentally just flip a switch and say, okay, now we're doing this on every single possession instead of doing this. And so that's difficult. And then, like you said, you get her back for one game, which turns out that she hit a uh, game-tying buzzer beater in overtime to send it to 2-OT in that game uh, on a bad ankle, which was opposite of of what she had just had surgery on. So that makes it even more impressive. The legend of Aoka Lee just continues to grow. But, um, no, I don't think they were bad without her. And I think that give it two weeks, which I know, you know, they can't afford to to not play well for two weeks, but give it two weeks. They're going to be back in their groove. Um, they've earned, obviously, a tournament bid at this point. I think you're playing for for a host spot now. Um, I, I think they were, were they 10 today in the AP poll? And so, yep. and that Oklahoma team they lost to is good. That They're playing. They are. I don't know if their overall record is that good, but I think they've only dropped one conference game, and they're playing their best basketball right now. And so that's not an ugly loss by any means. And then you go out and you get it done at home back again without Lee on, on Saturday. So I think the team's going to be just fine. And I think they've shown their depth a little bit uh, with her being absent. And it's just a matter of finding that, okay, yeah, we've shown this depth. So let's use these players who we've said, okay, wait a minute. Gisela Sanchez is actually really good. Let's use her. Yeah. But how do we use her with Lee? And, and mm-hmm. okay, we found out that Serena Sundell, when, when we really need it, she can drive to the basket and get a bucket. How do we use that and, and also balance like, we got to use our our all American in the post. We, we don't want to we don't want to continue to play without her when she is on the court because we know we can play without her. Like let's play with her, but let's also have everybody else take some initiative. Which I think I think they'll figure it out. Yeah, I think one of the things is as far as the coaching aspect of it is we saw uh, coach really dig in, especially that game against Baylor where they kind of got it. Baylor took took it to us early on, and he just had the the women just fight and fight and fight back in that game and then just put on a clinic 
at the end of that game to win. So I think that's where, for me anyway, from the outside looking in, it looks like that they will be able to put some stuff together. Because who knows, Ryan, what about the practice time? How much practice time have they actually gotten on the court since Aoka has been back? You know, because, yeah, you want to get her out there to practice, but at the same time, it's like, Eh, we'd rather have her in the game than practice, yeah. but to be able to to get people used to playing with them. And and like you said, Glenn, people that they're going to their strengths because it seems like they've figured some stuff out while she was gone. Well, you got to be able to figure those strengths out while she's there. Just what you said. And that yeah. comes with practice time. Um, so who knows how much practice time they've actually had. And again, especially this time of the year, the guys aren't, you're not, I shouldn't say guys, women aren't going hard in practice like that so I, I think they'll be able to figure it out I, I really like what they're doing if they don't get uh, a hosting spot for the NCAA Man. tournament then they're getting hosed they're, they're absolutely getting hosed Ryan because I think they've earned it up to this point I don't even know I mean you look at how many games they have left whatever they do have I mean unless they just go in the absolute tank I don't think there's any question that they're going to be hosting Oh yeah. And to, to tie both to tie what both of you guys just mentioned, you know, I know Jerome Tang talks about peaking in March. You want to peak at, at later in the season, right? When when it really does matter. And so yes. you know, you don't have Ioka Lee in here um for a few games and you know, but like I, I I'm not connected on women's basketball like I am with men's, but I would assume like if this if this was the NCAA tournament, Ioka Lee is probably gonna play. Yeah. But sprain ankle, you know, precautions, right? This isn't the time you right. necessarily want to peak, you know. Save that for a few weeks down the line. So, you know, you all got to have it come together later on. And the fact that, you know, K-State is able to win, you know, that home back to, you know, back-to-back home games with the way that the men's game went in the morning, um, you know, it's good for the women's to pick up a win. Yeah. And by the way, I'm stating the obvious here, I hope, but if they host an NCAA tournament game, there better be a line from Bramlage Coliseum to to uh, Tuttle Creek or something, yeah. yeah. Because because I mean they deserve that support and they they've gotten it. I'm not uh, I don't think I'm like getting a call to action here because I think they've already gotten it. But man, that better be sold out. That better be the best atmosphere that gym has seen all year, including the men's games. If because man, if they earn that, uh, they deserve all the support and then some because this yeah. team. This team, quite frankly, has provided uh, Kansas State basketball fans with some much needed. Um, yep. You yep. know, you know, you know what I'm saying without me finishing that sentence. With some much needed relief, maybe after watching some of the men's games. Well, and that's the thing. If, if for them to be able to to get, first of all, I think the men should go to the home seating system and get these games out of Boise, Idaho. Look, I know if we have some people watching from Boise, Idaho, (laughs) I apologize, but I'm sorry. If UCLA and Providence are playing in Boise, Idaho, there's going to be 11 people in their arena. I think you got to, I think just think it's smart. Just make the games and, and do just like the women do. And look, it's a way for revenue. I get it. You know, I go, but if you're only going to have, and I know they've kind of tried to change it and do these pod things, but I still don't think that works 100%. So I, I think the women have this thing figured out is just play these home games the first first two rounds of the tournament and then take it from there, I go, because yeah. when you – I mean, it it does yourself a disservice when you don't do that. If, if the ultimate goal is to get as many people in the arena, as many people to watch as possible, then what are we talking about here? So yeah. I, I just – that's just my opinion. 
Glenn, we had right. so much fun though in New York and Greensboro. What are we gonna? Hey, hey, we don't no, have those road trips for the NCAA tournament, Big B. That's different. That was a Sweet Sixteen. That's the Elite Eight, not the first round of the tournament. Greensboro. 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 Oh yeah, first Greensboro round, was, wasn't it? I could have, I could have gone without Greensboro, believe it or not. Greensboro was like not it, but it. it. There wasn't anything. <laughs> I don't know if there was anything there to like or dislike, man. The O Henry, um, the hotel, the media hotel. Did you stay there, Glenn? Right? I did. Yeah, the it media was, hotel was, was phenomenal. They had a good but breakfast that, for us, but not want to go back. Yeah. Go. Um. I think I like that idea a lot. Correct? Are they doing college football playoff? Are it like host at a school gets to host? Am I making that up? Big B, that's your area expertise. I don't think so. You're when it talking goes to about 12, for the men's? Yeah, for, when it goes to 12 for the college football playoff, they're not. I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't think they've actually come out and okay. with a, yeah. a, a firm decision yet. I think, though, yeah. I think that they're going to just do other bowl games and okay. have those be bowl games okay. and play there. Because I, mean, I would like to see those get some home games, too. I just think there's something yeah, about sense. getting in that college town and – Man, the atmosphere is just unmatched. Now, the argument would be that then those teams might have an unfair advantage. Um, it's the playoffs. And, but, it's yeah, they, they've earned it, right? If they're yeah. the top seed, this, I'll tell you this, the seeding would matter a whole lot more. And the, yes, selection, committee, <laughs> the selection committee is probably like, please don't do that. Because right now, <laughs> if you have a team that's a one seed versus a two seed in the NCAA tournament, they probably don't – I'm not going to say they don't care, but – it's not the end of the world, but if it's a one seed versus a two seed and it, and it matters who hosts, then they're going to be like, wait Absolutely. a minute, we, we had right. this many we had this many quad one wins and they couldn't win on the road. And Absolutely, the selection committee probably want nothing to do with that. <laughs> no, you're right. There, you're right. They they wouldn't want anything to do with it. I mean, but for the most part, I think the selection committee. I think they get it right. Uh, yeah. I know everybody has, you know, their gripes at the end of the season. Oh, we should have been in, blah, blah, blah. But the, usually those teams have lost 12, 14 games, something like that. Yeah. I'm like, hey, maybe lose nine and you don't even have this to question. I go, that's just me, though. That's just me. Uh, flipping it over to a little bit baseball this weekend. I'll be the first person to admit I'm not the biggest baseball person, but I know K-State's got a really good baseball team yeah. this year. Uh, started off the year two and one. Um I, I just think, I mean, apparently the preseason, two preseason All-Americans, uh, mm-hmm. and we had some base running errors, I guess, on the game on Friday that kind of cost them the game. Um, so guys weren't paying attention on the base pass. So, But I, I'm going to guess that's just kind of first game jitters, you know, yeah. just getting out. I mean, it's February. It is what it is. Um, I'm just thinking first game jitters. That happens to everybody. They'll get it mm-hmm. figured out. But I would suspect K-State has a really, really good year in baseball this year. Yeah, I got. I think my expectations might be too high for him. I, I was telling some buddies the other day, Tyson Neighbors, that closer there. Yep. I'm so high on Tyson Neighbors that I'm just ready for him to put up some video game numbers. So he's going to put up like some really, really good and impressive numbers, and I'm still going to be disappointed because I've gotten my hopes up so high. But, no, I think he's a stud. And the other thing I would maybe warn K-State fans, and not that they might not have an ugly loss here and there, those happen, but – but they made their schedule tougher this year because of how how and why they were left out of the NCAA tournament last spring. Yep. So when they when or if they drop a few non-con games and K-State fans are like, what the heck? We thought this team was supposed to be good. Well, they should be playing tougher teams because that was why they were left out because apparently they, they hadn't played enough tough teams. Right. And so that that's, comes with the territory. When you schedule those tougher teams, you got you the record might not look as good overall, but the number of, you know, uh, I don't know how many games I'm guessing here, but if they have 30 wins, 30, 35 wins 
versus having 30 wins, but the 30 are against really quality opponents. Mm-hmm. That looks different. So that might happen. But yeah, the neighbors is a stud. Last year, that Pete Hughes teams have always been able to hit the baseball. That that's never really been an issue. But last year, the pitching. They had a first-year pitching coach last year who I think really took them in a step in the right direction, and they brought back three or four pitchers who probably could have um, chased money, whether that was pro or, or SEC NIL or something like that, and they brought those guys back. So I'm I'm excited about the pitching staff to see what they can do and see what this pitching coach can do in his second year working with these guys. Well, one thing about the the tournament aspect of it, I'm glad you brought that point up, Glenn, is playing tougher teams. Absolutely. The baseball – I think more than any other selection committee, they really do a good job of understanding who you played and who you beat. I know we hear that from Jay Billis all the time on ESPN talking about the selection committee, like who you played and who you beat. And sometimes when you see some teams in, you're like, well, they didn't really play anybody and they mm-hmm. definitely didn't beat anybody, but yeah. they still got in. Baseball is totally different. It's just what you said. Maybe at a, if you don't have 35 wins or in one year you don't make it, maybe you have yeah. 28, but you beat a really good 28. Baseball yeah. does a good job of rewarding you for playing that kind of schedule. Yeah. Now, the gripe that K-State fans will point out here as we look back to last spring, not to, li- not to live in that, but was that, hey, maybe we didn't need to look at uh, comparing resumes too much with K-State and Oklahoma because they played each other. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they played so many common opponents that we didn't need to look at the non-con and say, no. well, this team played <laughs> UC Irvine. Well, this team played UC Berkeley. <laughs> well, they played each other. <laughs> so that's where it's flawed a little bit. But I do yes. agree with you, Brian, that uh, I don't think the baseball committee just looks at the number of win- total wins you have. No, they don't. Yeah, real quick here, guys. Cole Carmody of our Go Power Cat staff did a nice interview with Pete Hughes. That's up on the on the same YouTube channel you're watching this. And it was before the the games in Arizona. So I know it's a little dated just as far as like that stuff. But he did a good job of outlining the entirety of the season, certain players. And so I'd give that a, a watch if you're into baseball. If you're you know tuning in right now, you'd probably like it. But you mentioned the scheduling, guys. This made me think of K-State uh basketball right now with the non-conference. Like you you had the, the two games in the Bahamas. Um, you know, Miami and Providence at the times, like, okay, good. You know, but now those teams don't look as good, right? Villanova's yeah, right. on the outside of the field looking in. Yep. Wichita State's not good. Nebraska's a bubble team. USC is hot garbage. And so yeah. I commend K-State baseball and K-State basketball did this as well for getting that tougher schedule. But you're also relying on yeah, those on teams those to actually to, be good. Yeah. Because yes. on Selection Sunday, I'm beginning to get fearful that even if, it, you know, if K-State starts to gain some traction – get nine or 10 wins. I just don't know if that's going to be enough because of the non-conference slate. You know, the non-conference schedule is in the two hundreds as far as the rankings go, the strength of schedule goes in the non-con. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's I, I, with K-State baseball, that's great, but you're, you, you got to hope that those teams are in fact good. Yes. And not yeah. only that, you also got to win the games. K-State, yeah. the problem with K-State, yeah, you played some teams and they weren't quite as good, but we lost. Yeah. You, know, you lose to USC and, and get whipped by USC that that doesn't this just doesn't look good so and Nebraska gosh I, I, I yeah, that, that was Nebraska brutal. game I if I could like if I had a genie I think my first wish would be just to erase that Nebraska game Ooh, yeah that was that ugly. thing was that was bad <laughs> yeah. that was ugly yeah. I'm gonna park one break one last break here uh, again and then we'll come back on the other side of this and we will let Glenn tell us all about Media Day in Las Vegas, as we hear from our partners at Synergy Financial. 
At Synergy Financial Partners, the vision is to build the world's largest consumer financial education and empowerment company. Synergy doesn't just offer you a financial plan. At Synergy, the goal is to help you find your best financial future. Learn more at SynergyFinancial.com. Welcome back to the show. Let's head back to the studio. All right. Welcome back to the K-State Insiders. We're going to wrap this thing up. Um, so they've moved Big 12 Football Media Day. It came out that they are moving it to Las Vegas, away from Arlington. Um, it, it be, I'll be honest, I'm bummed because this was going to be my first year. I'm going to go. I live in Frisco, 45 minutes, blah, blah, blah. I'm hyped. But can I be too bummed if it's going to be in Vegas now? I'm not yeah. sure. Yeah. I'm not sure I can be bummed anymore, guys. I think I have to, to take this a different route. I got to look at it a different way. Yeah, okay. So I, I think I'm probably in the minority here, but I, I'm not thrilled about the move uh, for a, a number of reasons. But I'll start with this. Get I out don't of here. Think it's, I don't think it's centrally located at all. And no. here's the thing. That's it's true. media days. Guys, look at the Big 12 basketball media days. K-State has 75 reporters at their table. KU has 95 reporters at their table. Cincinnati, even Houston, who was preseason, what, top five? There was nobody interviewing Calvin Sampson because they don't make the trip for that. Right. And so I'm not thrilled about them moving it. One, I'm beyond selfishly because I've, I've been able to convince my boss, hey, seven-hour drive, no flight to pay for. We can drive down there, two nights hotel. No questions asked. It's like a $300 trip total, like yeah, right. all expenses paid for. This is a little bit different. So I'm be honest, selfishly, I'm, I'm, it's going to be a harder sell for me to my boss. And, but second, secondly, I think that I don't – I mean, there's still going to be – like I'm sure Go Power Cat, you guys will still go. I'm sure um, – Go Power Cat, maybe, wow. Maybe. <laughs> I'm, like I'm sure the beat writers who are, are working for KC Star and things of that like will still go. I'm not saying there won't be media there, but when it's centrally located, you – I mean, like in Arlington, you know, all the reporters from Oklahoma City were there and all the reporters from Austin were there and from yep. Waco. And and it was easy. For, I guess Austin isn't an issue anymore, but it was easy for a lot of people to get there. So that's my little rant about media days, maybe not. And then, I mean, secondarily for me, uh, I'm not like soup. I, I think Vegas is a very fun city. I think it's a very maybe difficult city to work in. Um, and so, I mean, I got to do like, 30 live shots when I go to the media days <laughs> and I don't know if I love setting up the camera at 10 PM in Vegas and standing in front of it on the, on the sidewalk across from the strip or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, well you mentioned problem, Glenn. Well, go ahead, go ahead, Ryan. Well, I was just going to say Glenn that you mentioned the reporters and I asked Tang in case they had an unofficial visitor mm -hmm. like a month back for a basketball game. And I asked Tang about just the crowd, how much grand much call see like how much of an impact yeah. I can make. But Tang said that, Everything matters. Like obviously yeah. the, the visits you go out and see him, the, you know, all this and that. But he mentioned how at, at media days, like yeah, recruits see that. When you see yeah. that there's, you know, that many people interviewing, I know that K-State and KU are right down the road from Sprint well, T Mobile Center. It still looks so, good. Yeah, it's it's you know that that stuff matters, but mm -hmm. I'm excited to get out there, man. I've 20, I'm 24. I've I'd never been to Vegas, and then I went out Big B for our Steelers, uh played yeah. the Raiders on Sunday night football. I was out there <laughs> yeah. for that one. And then I went out a few months later for uh, K-State against USC. And so I'd never been my whole life. And now it's like I'm going out there all the time. But I love it, man. But I, I'm a big gambler. So 
Well, here's the thing for me, and I'm kind of with you, Glenn, on the the professional aspect of this, is that I'm trying to figure out why the change. Like, what what constituted them going out there? Are they trying to make the Big 12? Yeah, I'm sure it has to do with money. money, I'm like, what what constituted them saying, you know what, let's make this change, trying to be a little bit higher profile and go out to to Vegas to be able to do it? Because I can guarantee you – UCF, West Virginia, Cincinnati, yeah. they're not happy about going Iowa to Vegas. State, yeah. Iowa State. Yeah. I, I mean, these, these schools are not happy about going out to Vegas. Uh, I mean, BYU, Colorado, I mean, it's closer for them. Yeah. Arizona, Arizona State, Utah. I mean, are we trying to appease them? Is it going to sw- move around every year? I, I just, I mean, the game's not going to be in Vegas. You know, unless I hear something else, the Big 12 title game is not going to be in Vegas. So I just kind of think it's I don't I don't know. I I just think wherever you're having the title game, that's where you should have your media day and just leave it at that. And the SEC moved theirs to Arlington. Right. And so I don't know if it might be just these conferences trying to accommodate for their new members. And maybe maybe that was part of the deal. Hey, we'll join. And can you give us this little tiny incentive? And it wasn't a hill. The commissioners of the conference were going to die on. Right. It could be that. I also think it's a branding thing for the big 12. If I had to guess that it's maybe. a, uh, what, what, Oh, maybe that Fitz says that Jerry world wasn't available. It could be because of the sec. Who knows? But, um, I think it is probably also a branding thing of this idea of being younger, hipper, cooler. Is that what Brett Yormark always says? Um, it's like flashy to go to Vegas and have an Allegiant stadium is, is awesome right and so mm-hmm. um it's a little flashier it's a little cooler if you want to call it that um i'm sure some of the content that comes out of it will be pretty unique and maybe it will maybe it will help a branding thing well i don't know that we've seen i don't mean this as a, as a knock i'm just being honest but i don't know that media has always been the top priority uh in brett Yormark's big 12 right um not not, not myself but i know there were some people who weren't thrilled about where they were sitting for the big 12 uh, i had binoculars and i would tweet about it people got so so mad at me you're an entitled media member you get to go for free i was like uh sorry yeah but i mean yeah there's been that there's um you know i don't i think all the media wanted a explanation on like the big 12 tiebreaker thing and we didn't exactly get that and so there's been a few things where but that's part of the deal man hey quite frankly he can make us all the happiest campers in the world as we stand there with our microphones but we're not giving him thousands or millions of dollars so right <laughs> to survive whether you like it or not he's got to prioritize money and then second priority is money and third priority is money yes what that's, that's just how, how it rolls <laughs> Yeah, and that's the thing about it is we just have to look at it. I know it's it's disheartening to fans to look at it like that. And whether we do this for a living or not, we're still all fans. Mm-hmm. And it, it just gets disheartening when you know that everything is being driven by money. And you have to look at it that way, that everything is yeah. a business. Because if you don't, you get left behind. And literally, I feel like the Big 12 – where they were doing that for a minute and then finally woke up and said, hold on, wait a minute. We can't, yeah. we, we've got to figure this thing out. Otherwise we're going to be ripped apart. And I, and we literally saw that from the PAC 12. So I think, like I said, the, the sooner they get this basketball deal done, the sooner they get that deal done, I think the better, even the, yeah. the more solidified the conference will be, but that's a conversation for another day. Uh, I think we're going to shut this one down for the day. People, any final thoughts on, I, I would say tonight guys, 
I think K-State, like I mentioned before, I think they just got to come out guns blazing. Mm. Nothing to lose. I think they really do need to come out and play with a nothing to lose type of attitude. I think that's mm. the attitude they need to take the rest of the year is, look, yeah. if we win, we're going to go down swinging. Uh, or if you lose, we're going to go down swinging. If you're going to beat us, you have to beat us at our best. And I just – I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I just think the best that K-State can be is when they just get out and run and get up and down the court – I get it. We're going to have some more turnovers, but we're also going to get more shot opportunities that uh, possibility for layups, their team breaking down on defense, just giving us more opportunities. Just go to Austin tonight and lay it all on the line and just play carefree. Like you mentioned, Glenn, just play carefree and get after them. Yeah. Hey, I don't have any notes on the basketball end, but I will say I thought it was very noble of us to not even mention uh, Mizzou's AD leaving for a Big 12 school. We didn't even bring it up <laughs> once. We didn't laugh about it. We didn't say anything about it. We did it. not. We, we did 50, not. We made it 55 minutes without it. <laughs> I think that's great. I, I actually, a buddy of mine texted me about that, and I was just like, "Hey, what do you, I mean? What do you want me to say? I thought Missouri was the greatest. That, that's what <laughs> told me all football season. That Missouri was the greatest place on earth. Turns out, apparently, it's not. Apparently, it's not. So, any final thoughts on anything, Ryan? Man, I just, I mean, you got, you said it best, Big B. Just go out and play. Like you yeah. look back at what happened in Austin last year. Go out and play. But I mean, there's like K State season's not shot. They're five and seven. If <laughs> If they win, you know, if they go four and one like they did to start the conference, there's a good chance they can get in, but it's now or never. Like you've got to make up ground on the road. It is now or never for this team to to turn things around and right the ship of the season. So I get it. Like the trajectory is going down, down. It's it's the stock is dropping by the minute for this team, but they can still turn it around, but it has to start tonight. Must win game. Yep. Absolutely. I appreciate everybody taking time out to join us again. I know I'm not fit, so I didn't do as quite as good a job, but he'll be back. Uh, more importantly, remember to tune in Tuesday through Friday, the Big 12 Insiders right here. We may be making some changes to that to keep it going, so I appreciate everybody that's that's already joined. Please go subscribe and all that good stuff. Uh, we will catch you guys next week. We appreciate you showing up. This has been a GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street production. Please support this show by subscribing to this YouTube channel or follow us on your favorite podcast platform.